Welcome to Lompoc Foursquare Church's podcast. Enjoy the message. I should say, aloha and howdy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a couple of years ago, my wife and I moved from Hawaii to Oregon. You say, are you crazy? I am. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, moving from paradise to purgatory. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so I took over the college there, New Hope Christian College, and then I didn't have enough to do. So uh, we pioneered a new church up there at the same time during COVID. And so the church has grown, and so now it's called New Hope Church and College. And Bernie has been a gift and a treasure to us as he comes up, speaks to the church, speaks to our students. He is a great, uh, like a dean of students to those uh, people. So we're very grateful. He's one of the best. You've had this guy for 36 years as your shepherd. What a gift. Bernie and I have been friends over 30 years. Yes, he's old. Uh, he, he was born just after Abraham left Ur the Chaldees. And, uh, and then I was born uh, when the Dead Sea was still sick. I hadn't died yet. So, but he's, he's getting older, you know, and so he's kind of like, I think you've uh, reached the official uh, status of a geezer at 66. So... <laughs> Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, and so, by the way, you know, older people, I love them. Yeah, there's a story. You have time for a story? Okay. Uh, there's this, uh, two old guys playing cards, and the wives are visiting in the kitchen. And, and one of the older guys said to his friend playing cards, he said, hey, we went to this restaurant. It's so good. You got to take your wife there. He goes, great. He says, what's the name of it? He goes, <clears throat> He said, what's that flower that has thorns? Uh, the guy says, Rose? He said, yeah. Turns to the kitchen. Rose, what was the name of that restaurant? <laughs> so we're kind of like that, you know. So, but, uh, but I've learned so much from Bernie, too, over the many years, 30 years. You know, I've gone through two heart surgeries, cancer, two burnouts, and every time Bernie's been there, he's written me texts or emails or letters or phone calls. And I can't tell you how many times it was like a prophetic word of encouragement coming to me. So, Bernie, thank you. He's not only a shepherd here, he's a shepherd everywhere. And he'll always be known not only as a pastor of this church, LFC, but he's a pastor of Lompoc, period. So, so many people's lives have been changed and so... What a great honor it is to be here. Every memory I have of this place has been great memories. I just love it here. Uh, we brought our dancers here. John, we should bring our Hawaii dancers again. You know, I have to change my prayers from and to how did from heaven, Lord, we've got to get some help here on the pain and the, and the aches in our bodies. <laughs> yeah. So I got to change my accent a little bit and change from paddling from Molokai to Oahu to riding horses and shooting balloons. But, uh, but every memory here that uh, we've been here for many, many years has been just fabulous. So you're like a second family. 
to me. Thank you for that. And we're excited. This is kind of like Bernie's final service. And so he asked me to come. What an honor. And then next week, you're going to install John and Wendy. So that's going to be two weeks of fabulous, fabulous uh, excitement and events. So please be a part of what God is doing in this transition. I got a word for us this morning, and if you would turn with me in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and it's in your notes, and would you take out your notes, by the way, and read it with your best Shakespearean voice. Are you ready? <clears throat> Clear your throats, all you thespians. Here we go. Read it. Go. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And it continues, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the Father. This is a word for us. It's a metaphor the writer of Hebrews uses of a race, maybe a marathon, but for me, I see it sort of like as a relay race. And we're going to double click on this one that says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. What does that mean? Fixing your eyes on Jesus. You know, fixing your eyes, where you fix your eyes makes all the difference, doesn't it? Because you're going to see what you're looking for. If you're looking for a certain kind of car, you know, like Steve drove up in a 67 Mustang this morning, and I used to have a 65 Mustang, so my eyes are always looking for, you know, Mustangs, and here he comes, and I, I could see that. It's sort of like if you want to buy a certain color of a car, a certain kind of car, isn't it true you start to see that car everywhere? It's like, well, everybody's driving the car that I want to buy. Well, you didn't see it the day before because you weren't looking for it the day before. But as soon as you start looking for it, you see it, what? Everywhere, because you're going to see what you're looking for. In fact, Matthew 6 says that. It says, for the lamp of the body is the eye. If then your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of... If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If you think about what he's saying here... He's saying the lamp of your body is not your eyeball. It's the way your eye sees things. Because in actuality, you don't see with your eyes. Your eye is simply an ocular lens that transmits an image to your occipital lobe that identifies what you're seeing. You see with your brain, not with your eyes. And your occipital lobe is in the back of your head. That's why when my mother said, I've got eyes on the back of my head, she was right. You actually see on the back of your head. And you identify what you see, you perceive it, you identify it, you define it. So you actually, the, the way you see things has a lot to do with your faith. Your faith filters and defines what you see. It's not what you see, it's how you define what you see. And so the Bible says you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher. Now let me level with you. You ready? It's not easy to see things correctly. But if you win that one challenge, it says if your eye is clear, 
your whole body will be filled with light. If your eye is bad, or if you see things down, your whole body will be filled with darkness. Isn't it true you can see things up or you can see things down? You can see things up. What's all right? You know, God's going to use that. It's going to be great. You watch. You'll see. Or you can see things down. How stupid. I don't know why you would do that. It's not what, it's not the event. It's, it's how you see that event. And so the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Listen to what Psalm 109 says. You'll love this. It says, this man loved cursing, so it came to him. But he did not delight in blessing, so it was far from him. You catch that? And Proverbs 11 says almost the same things. It says this, he who looks for good finds favor. But he who looks for evil, watch this, evil will find him. So if I'm looking for the wrong thing, it's going to come to me. So whatever I'm looking for. So the Bible says, fix your eyes on Jesus. Oh, it's not easy, though. Jesus had a hard time with his disciples. When they went through things like what we're going through here at LFC, a transition, you can see it up or down. You can see it good or bad. You can see greater things or lesser things. You can see potential or problems. What are you looking for? The Bible says look for Jesus because he's the author. He's the one that started it. And he'll be the perfecter. At first, it's not going to be real nice, but he'll perfect it along the way. Listen carefully. All births are messy. Yeah, births are often messy, but it grows into something fantastic. But you've got to look forward to the future. Never anchor yourself to your past. Anchor yourself to your future. And God is going to be there. Listen, potential doesn't lie in the past. Memories lie in the past. Gratitude lies in the past. Lessons lie in the past. Potential only lies in the future. The past is empty of potential. No potential left there. Your potential is only in your future. Anchor yourself to your future. And when you do, the Bible says, Jesus, who is the author of it, will also perfect it along the way. It might seem a little messy at first, but he'll perfect it along the way. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and... Yeah, their names used to be Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. That was their Hebrew names. When the Babylonian captivity took place in 586 B.C., they took these three brilliant, stellar students and changed their names to Babylonian names. However, there was one day that Nebuchadnezzar said, you're going to only worship me. In fact, I'm going to make this big old idol and you need to bow down to that. <laughs> Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, I don't think so. Uh, we want to honor you, O king, but we ain't doing that. We're only bowing down to the Lord God of Israel. And he said, well, if you don't, then you're going to... Going to get thrown into the fire. There's a barbecue that we have just started up with a Bunsen burner, and it's going to burn your Bunsens. <laughs> and they said, mm, the Lord God, he's the author and finisher. He's going to protect us and deliver us. Did they really know that for sure? They didn't know. But they had a commitment and a covenant that they would make regardless. Because they said, he'll deliver us, but even if he does not we will still serve our Lord. They didn't have a guarantee. Now watch this. So they take these guys and they throw them into the Bunsen burner 
And, uh, you know, it's like they're bracing themselves. And all of a sudden, you see these three guys walking through this furnace. And then the writer says this, wait a minute, whoa, 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 wait. Didn't we throw three kids in there? Yes. Why is there four? Is there a side door here? What's going on? Does someone else enter? And then it says this, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. They come out the other side. And Nebuchadnezzar said, wow, your God just delivered you, didn't he? Here's the cool thing. And this is a lesson for you and for me. How many were walking through it? Not three, four. So God joined them. Listen carefully. The way that you and I will walk through the furnaces is if you will fix your eyes not on what you're walking through, but who you're walking with. Fixing your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Question is, what are you going to fix your eyes on? Flames? Or the creator of those flames? So the first thing is, he says, when you're going through transitions, listen, fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, that's not easy. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you the second thing he's saying here. Well, the, the way you, you're going to do that is you've got to lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles you. Because you're going to have all kinds of distractions. Listen carefully. It, if the devil can't destroy you, he will distract you. If he can't destroy you, because you're covered in the, under the blood of Christ, he can't. So he'll distract you. And then you'll destroy yourself. So he says, lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily messes you up. You, you see, assuredly, mountaintops and valleys are going to take place. There's going to be speed bumps and highways. There's going to be setbacks and setups, victories and struggles. The question is, what are you going to fix your eyes on? Which one of those? Huh. I have a friend, his name is Ken Davis, and, and he's an illusionist. And he would make a, a volleyball disappear. He put a volleyball in his hand, and he goes, watch this, and he covered it with this velvet thing, and all of a sudden, psh, it's gone. He it's just takes it off, it's gone. And I thought, what? And then it appears in his other hand. And I... I after he was done with this show, I, I went over because we were in his dressing room. I said, Ken, how in the heck did you do that? That's like crazy. He laughed and he said, if I can get you to focus and fix your eyes on where I want you to fix your eyes, I can do anything I want to with your mind. And I looked at him and I said, you're just like the devil. <laughs> We, we haven't been friends since, but, uh, <laughs> but even Jesus had to deal with his disciples about fixing their eyes on the wrong things, and they would easily get distracted. In fact, do you remember his disciples were concerned about stuff, and the Lord says, don't, don't use excuses or get distracted by saying, there are four months and then cometh the harvest. No, he says, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. They are ripe right now for the harvest. In other words, what are you looking at? Don't say four months and then come at the harvest. You know, he says, make sure that you're looking at the right things. So even Jesus had a tough time with the disciples. And you can say that, well, you know, Lord, what's going to happen in the future? 
Uh, let me give you a little graph here. Are you ready for this? When Jesus went to heaven, he the kingdom of God was going up and to the right. It was great. And then he was crucified, died, and buried, and then he rose, and he gave it over or passed the baton to his whom? Disciples. Do you think the plan of God was for it to now do this? No. In fact, if you read this next scripture, it'll come up on the board, John 14, and it says this, Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, the works that I have been doing, they will do even what? Greater things than these, because I'm going to my Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that my Father may be glorified. And he's saying, basically, I'm, I'm, greater things are going to happen, not lesser, greater. So ask for greater, and I'll give it. Do you think Jesus wanted this to happen? No, he wanted what? It to keep going, isn't that right? Until he comes again. Maranatha. That's what he wants to have happen. Now, in the same way, you're going to have a transition here. So, say Bernie has done an amazing job here. A baton is passed. Do you want it now, LSC, to go down? No. You want it to continue in the trajectory that the Lord has designed it. But here's a transition. How many more transitions do you think LFC might go through before Jesus comes back again? There's probably going to be all kinds of transitions. This isn't the first or last one. But you want every transition to keep moving that towards what the Lord wants. That's why the scripture says in the book of Acts, David served the purposes of God in his generation. Now the baton is passed, and that's why we see in the book of Hebrews, therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin that so easily entangles us and run the race that God sets before us with endurance. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, not on distracting things. The author and the finisher or perfecter of that line of faith. So where you fix your eyes are very, very important. And we get to lay aside all the distractions that, that might come in and cause this to go down. Relay races, I used to run the mile, uh, quarter mile relay, which is just one time around. They call it four by 100. And... Uh, and so we would take off. The first guy would be in what they call a loading zone or a, a, a zone of a free zone, an exchange zone. And then we go into this zone here. Well, this one here is called a free zone or a lot of different names. Basically, when that runner hits a certain point, I watch. As soon as he hits it, I start running into the exchange zone. It's about 30 feet or so, 10 meters and once I get into the exchange zone, I'm running pretty much as fast as he is, and he is as fast as I am, and I'm keeping my hand back. I've got about, oh, maybe 20 or 60 feet in front of me that that baton has to be passed. I can't go beyond that, and it's passed. You're disqualified. So you have this free zone or flight zone, and you go to the exchange zone, and then he'll say, stick, and bang, hits my hand. Sometimes we would practice hours on just the passing of the baton. Because races are won or lost in the passing of the baton. 
we would spend hour after hour just running the race in, in, in the exchange zone. Stick, bam. Try it again, stick, bam. And when he hits a certain spot, I start running and I start speeding up and I'm running as fast as I can. Stick, bam, keep running. And we do that again and again and again and again and again because we knew that races would be won or lost in the passing of the baton. And the same thing is true here. This is a critical time to fix your eyes on other runners. What I'd like to do, now, some people will say, well, why? Bernie still has a lot of tread on his tires. <laughs> and he does. He does. But what if I'm running in a, a quarter-mile relay and the guy's running in the exchange zone. He's going, give me the baton. No, I'm still okay. I got tread on my tires, dude. <laughs> and I just run right by him. <laughs> what is this? See, you don't hand the baton when you're tired and fatigued. You hand the baton off at the height of your stride. That's how you win races. And if, if I ran right by my partner and I said, I'm still good. I had two cups of coffee this morning. I'm fine. The coach would go, you're out of here. And our coach, too, is saying, now's the time. Call it. Stick. And run. And then, you know what my job is after I pass that stick off or the baton? I yell and scream and holler and encourage that guy forward. And that's what we get to do in this transition. And there's going to be more in the future. There's going to be, because he ain't a young spring chicken either, you know. He's going <laughs> to. <laughs> I mean, he's good looking and all, but he ain't going to be that for long. Just let me just say it, just say it. And so there's going to be more transitions along the way. But can you see what the father wants? He wants this LFC, LFC's graph to be up and to the right. However many sticks it needs. And only God knows because he's the author and the... And births are not always clean. They're often messy. But it's okay because if you look to the future, something beautiful is going to come out of it. So we'll see here that he says, yep, you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. And then he says this, and then run with endurance the race that is set before you. Oh, I like that. There's a race that God's setting before LFC. Run that race. Not another race. Not somebody else's race. Run the race that he set before this place. You have to know what that is. Run the race. In a marathon, I've run four um, Honolulu marathons. 33,000 people run this thing. And uh, I have to run the race that's set before me. A uh, couple, I think it's the third time, I wanted to run with the Nigerians because they're so stupid fast. I thought, wow, I want to be like a Nigerian. So I, I went up to the front, and these guys, you know, they're like, they're like bean poles. They're so skinny. They're from Tanzania and, you know, Liberia. And I thought, man, I'm, I'm going to run like them. Because they run like their heads don't move, just their bodies. Go, yes, yes, that's my dream, you know. So I thought, I'm going to run with them, man. So I get up there, and uh, the gun goes off. It's a cannon, actually. Boom. And I start running. I, gotta, I just got to honest, honestly say, I stayed up with them. 
for the first 18 yards. And then they just, <laughs> they took off. And I kept running up, trying to keep up with them. After the first mile, I was so fatigued. I had to stop, man. I had to get, you know, intravenous coffee or <laughs> caffeine. But it was just horrible. So what I found out is they say when you run a marathon, start running at your pace and look for someone that's kind of running your pace and just a little bit faster to keep you honest. Otherwise, you'll fatigue. So the fourth race, that's what I did. I found a, is a very elderly lady that was running. And <laughs> <laughs> I made the whole thing. I finished the race. But you know, it's interesting, in the marathon, there's a certain course that you have to run. There's policemen, there's uh, people directing traffic so that cars don't come across. There is a certain set course before me that I'm supposed to run. Can I go off of that course and take a shortcut? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. You can cut off a couple miles. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought about that. <laughs> but I, and you can't. But you know what? If you run off of that course saying this is a better way, you know, you may get hit by a car because there's no traffic control. And you can be running your race and you'll go, where's the water stops? Where's the Gatorades? Where's the porta potties along the way? There's no medical personnel in case I get hurt. Yeah, you get hurt, you're alone. Why? Because you're running another race. Listen carefully, God's promises are good if you run the race that is set before you. Because sometimes we go off of that race, we do our own thing, and we go, God, I thought you promised us like provision. I thought you promised us healing. And the Lord's going, you're off course. You're running way over here. I provided all of that stuff on this course, dude. I've got water stop, Gatorade, I got all Cheetos, Fritos, <laughs> all kinds of toes. And they, but it's on this course. And God has a course set before LFC. Run the race that is set before you. You'll be surprised. You say, but Wayne, what if I get things in my mind that fear gets me afraid? Can I give you five words that, that will change that? I pray these five words almost every day. And here it is. This will change your life. If you remember five words, here it is. Heal my fear-based thoughts. Because there's some thoughts that are fear-based. What's going to happen? What if? I don't know. I wish. Could have been. Lord, heal my fear-based thoughts. And then you can fill in the blank about this or about that. Anything that's fear-based is going to cause you to see things in a skewed way then you're distracted and Satan can do anything with your mind that he wants to. Heal my fear-based thoughts about whatever. Because you've got to remember, he's the author and he's going to be the perfecter. He authored the change. He'll perfect it. You run the race. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Now let me bring it all to a conclusion here, and that is this. Pastor Bernie has, for the last over 30 years, set this place up for success. You know how you honor him? Succeed. 
Pastor Bernie has set LFC up for love and serving. Want to know how to honor him? Love and serve. Pastor Bernie has set this place up for growth. Want to know how to honor him? Grow. He has spent three decades setting this. I, I walked through here this morning, and how many times I commented to Bernie and the leaders, this place is beautiful, it's excellent, it's clean, this is top drawer stuff. I thought, you set this place up for success. The way to honor my friend, succeed. He set you up to be loving and serving. Here's how you honor him. Be loving and serve. And you'll be surprised how this next race, the run of this next race, this next leg, one day they'll look back and say, you serve the purposes of God in that generation. And then the next one, and the next one, until Jesus comes again. And you'll hear at the final finish line, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because on one hand, you can complain, you know, like, oh man, this rose has thorns. Or you can rejoice and say, thorns have roses. You're going to have all kinds of things that will be in your past, some thorns along the way, setbacks and speed bumps. But rejoice, because thorns produce roses. And when you see it that way, you'll be fixing your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. As we close, Pastor Bernie's going to move into a new season. Next week, you're going to inaugurate the new pastor, uh, co-pastors, pastor and his wife, John and Wendy. But in this one, we want to pray a commissioning prayer for Bernie and Debbie. And Debbie, I don't know if you're here, but if you're here, if you could come up too. But Bernie is going to come up in just a second. And you know what I'd like us to do is to stand, and I'm going to ask you to lift a hand this way. I've got some anointing oil in the Old Testament, when there was a commissioning service, they would anoint this person with oil and commission them in the name of, of, of Christ to move and be commissioned and be anointed. And so we want us to make this a commissioning service for Bernie and Debbie into this next leg of the race that he's going to run. He has served the purposes of God in this run and set this place up for success. Honor him by succeeding. He set you up for serving. Honor him by serving. He set this place up for growth. Honor him by growing. But right now, let's honor him by commissioning him as the family of God as we watch God do a new thing. He'll still be here. But there's going to be a different mantle. I told Bernie, he's not retiring. God's just rewiring him. <laughs> so we're excited about that. So Pastor Bernie, would you come up? Debbie, would you come up? And, and would you stand together with me, would you please? I know. <laughs> Debbie's going, I'm going to get you back for this. <laughs> She's so loving. <laughs> But would you extend a hand this way? And I'm going to anoint you with oil. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we commission you in the name of Jesus Christ. For he is the author and the perfecter 
of the callings of God. Father, we pray for a fresh anointing with new wine. We ask for a fresh breeze of your Holy Spirit to flow through this family, that you will speak through them afresh with fresh manna, with a newness and a sense of new horizons and new vistas. We pray, Lord, that you will bring them such an unction that your words will be proclaimed in such a way that lives will be changed and transformed, redeemed, healed, and made purposeful. Where there is no hope through this couple, bring hope. Where there is no sense of possibility, we pray that there will be the reality of potential and fruitfulness that will come through them. We ask, Lord, that there will be wholeness and healing that will flow through this couple. So we pray for a kingly and a divine and a heavenly mantle on this couple. And now we commission you to this new season, Bernie and Debbie. We as a church pray over you and commission you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we are so grateful for what he has done, for he has done well. He has run his leg of the race well. Lord, thank you for that, that he has served the purposes of God in this generation. We bless them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we as a church say amen and amen. Let them know you love them, would you? Thank you for your grace and your prayers, your support. Thank you, Pastor Wayne. I didn't know I was getting commissioned, but I feel it. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please visit us at mylfc.com for more information about our church. Thank you so much for listening.